Awesome. How you all doing? Let's just, let's just pray. I feel like God, yeah, God just wants to do stuff this morning, so let's just, let's just wait on Him. Father, we thank You for Your presence. Holy Spirit, we honor You in this place, what You're doing in lives and in hearts, how You're mending hearts this morning, how You're commissioning hearts, how You're dealing with offense. Father, we just, we wait on you and we, we even, we just, we come and we stand under your word which has the final authority in our lives. Would you come and change us? Would you come and mold us? Not to what we think it should be, but Holy Spirit to what you are saying. Would you change us? God, we are a people that, that want you to come in and move. In Jesus' name. Who had a good week? Who took a Sabbath? Come on, guys. Same in the first meeting. I think I need to preach it again. Okay, a Sabbath means taking t- a day off. If it's, uh, if it's Friday, come and worship Jesus at church. Then go and just chill on the beach, read a good book. It's good. And it's good to have Maya. Who, who remembers Maya? <laughs> Maya helped plant the church in the early days. Um, I think they came within the first year of us planting, her, Kurt, and the two boys. Uh, and they are in Germany at the moment. And um, we miss you guys. We often talk about you. So it's good that you're here just on business. And also, if you haven't noticed, Rom is not here. He's at a businessman's thing in Bahrain. Businessman, business people. Um, and uh, there's some people that have come up from Bethel, uh, Bethel Church in Reading, and uh, they're doing some training there. So one of our friends invited Rom to come along with, which I think it's going to be great. And I don't know if you've heard anything, Nushif. How's it going? Nothing. Because Rom is not a great communicator on WhatsApp. Let's just, anyone who's, uh, and I'm not the greatest, but he's a little bit worse than I am, and he's not here, so I can rip him off. Um, so we've been going through uh, what started as a one-off message called Follow, and uh, we, we started with uh, understanding that we follow Jesus, our rabbi. We, we went into last week understanding that when we follow him, we get into his, the rhythms of his grace. And this week, we, we're doing what, it's, what it means to follow Jesus, but have people who follow alongside you. Because otherwise, we would all be monks in the middle of a cave somewhere, hermits, just praying and reading scripture all day. But actually, the Bible speaks to people in community and expects us to be in community, and it looks like something as we walk together with our eyes fixed on Jesus. So, friend, follower, or fighter, part three. Um, I think Rom, I think, is going to preach next week. We're just going to see, and then he's going to talk about a godly view of work. Um, I'm hoping he talks on that, because that's what he said he would. But, um, so, th- that's going to be great. So, that'll probably end our, our series. Then we've got one week, and then it's Scarlet, and it's going to be... Amazing on Scarlet Weekend. Invite your friends, family, everyone you know to come to that. So, let's turn in our Bibles to Philippians 2, verse 19. 2, verse 19. I'm going to read a little bit of Scripture. Here, Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and he's talking to these... um, these, these, He would write a letter that gets read out to a church, and he's talking that there's two people that are going to come and encourage that church, and their names are Timothy and Epaphroditus. 
can we all say that? Timothy, Epaphroditus. I like to put myself in Scripture. I like to put myself as part of it. Um, so imagine that you are the church in, in Philippi or Philippi, and he says this, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him. So Paul had a team of men that, he, that used to minister with him, and he would send people out because the gospel started multiplying and gaining traction, that he could not do everything himself So he had other people that went out and did the work for him. So he's sending these people. I have no one like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Say my welfare. Anyone who ministers here in City Lights, we want them to love the people first. Not love themselves and uh, and what they're going to say first, but love the people first. Because I believe that as you love people, I'm able to speak to you from my heart to your heart. If it's just me delivering a sermon, then you can go listen to that on on YouTube. That's why the local church is so key. We need to be people who know each other. And I'm preaching to a context where I know people. I know the struggles that some of you are going through. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son to his father, he has served me with the work of the gospel. So I missed out verse 21. For everyone looks to their own interests, not to the interests of Christ. Verse 23, we're jumping around. I hope therefore to send him as soon as uh, I know how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. We learn a few things. We're going to learn about two different men. And I think when we look at the Bible, we have to look at different characters. We learn a lot from David. We learn from Moses. And the, the amazing thing is that all of these people aren't perfect. They just did some good things in their life that they became examples. And I'm trusting that when people look back on all of your lives, you, you look, they look at your lives and go, oh, there's this, this, this that I can take away from their life. I look at Alistair and Letitia, I think gentle, humble, hardworking, uh, and people look upon you and, you, and you, and it's good to recognize what people carry. You guys are amazing. Let's just give them a round of applause. few things we learn from Timothy. Number one, his unselfish love to the people of God. His unselfish love. And I, I said in the first meeting, and I really believe this, that as you grow in following Jesus, you, how do you know that you've grown? You actually, you actually learn to be more selfless. That being selfless is the higher priority, the more satisfying priority than being selfish. We live in a selfish world. We, uh, Instagram selfies, I don't know if you guys have in your phone, but there's a whole, um, what's it called, uh, album that, that automatically saves all the photos of myself and calls it selfies. I mean, that's amazing. Like, even your phone saves selfies. I didn't ask it to do that. But we live in a selfie generation. We live in a self-obsessed. We live in my rights count above everyone else's rights, where God always looked at a community and he looked at, and he kept, Paul kept writing throughout scripture, says, put other needs above yourself. I have no greater joy than to see other people walking in the truth. We need to learn that that's what the early church looked like and that's what we should be aiming towards. And secondly, his focus was on Jesus' interests. What Jesus loved, he loved. What Jesus asked him to do, he did. What Jesus focused on and prioritized, he focused on and prioritized. And those are the things. And I think Timothy only learnt how, uh, how to be selfless, and that is through the gospel. And I want to read the scripture. Where's my Bible? Sorry. Can you pass it? It's in Philippians 2. 
And I don't have it up on the board because I just thought of doing it right now. Philippians 2 verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of, of others. And I think Jesus is the example. Jesus willingly came to earth in the form of man, died on the cross for us as the perfect human, on, in the, on the cross in our place, took our sin upon himself, was nailed to the cross through belief in him. He, Jesus uh, laid down his, his divinity so he can come and hang out with humanity, so he can become flesh, he can come incarnate himself. That is, that is the crux of who Jesus is, and it's the crux of who we meant to be. We need to incarnate ourselves. We need to, in a sense, make ourselves nothing so we can see many people come to glory and come to see Jesus. Um, we are naturally self-preserving. Uh, who watches The Office, the U.S. one? There's a few more people in this meeting. It's, it's, it, it'll change your life. Am I right, Simon? Like 100%. Start in, on one. You can see some of them on YouTube already. Um, but it's, it's Michael Scott in The Office. I think it's incredibly hilarious. But anyway, there's, I just want to set the scene up. There's a scene that you're going to see where Dwight, which no one really likes, and he's doing this fake um, fire drill. And he's the guy, in, in, yeah, you've watched, you guys have watched it, so you know. And he does this fake fire drill, and, um, and it's just amazing to see and watch how people are so self-preserving in this. So, can we put this up? No, no, Michael, no! Touch the handle. If it's hot, there could be a fire in the hallway. What does warm mean? Oh my gosh, try the door. Not a viable option. What next? Don't try! Go to the other door. Oh, here's a door. Check that one out. How's the handle? And it's warm. Okay, go to the back well, door. Well, uh, another option. Another option. Jeez. Okay, settle down, everyone. No, I forgot my purse. Leave it, woman. Get out of the way. Go, go, go. No, things can be replaced, Phyllis. People, human lives, however, can... Okay, we're trapped, everyone for himself! Okay, let's go! Let's go! Get out of the way! Okay, okay. Have you ever seen a burn victim? Okay, that's awesome. Go watch the rest. I don't know what season that is. But um, it just shows the picture of how we are as humans. And you know that if, there's, if something is about to go down, there's a building, and you hear stories that buildings start to burn down, there's very few people that go and look after other people. They just run for the door. And I mean, even on airplanes, they tell you, if the mask comes down, do, your, do yours first and then look after someone else. I guarantee you, if it's been in that, they're not even going to think about the person next to them, unless they are Christians. Let's hope, let's hope that they are. And... Um, the point is I'm trying to make is that Timothy looked after the interests of Jesus and the interests of others that he put above, above himself. And for me, that's one of the greatest things we can learn in being a follower of Jesus. There was a plague in the second century called the Plague of Carthage. And pagan households threw sufferers onto the streets. The entire Christian community, personally led by the bishop, responded. They were seen on the streets offering comfort and taking them into their own homes to be cared for. And in that moment, there was, there was a shift that happened in the Roman Empire where the, where the Christians were seen as the selfless ones. So in this moment of where everyone has this plague, the Christians said, well, I'm going to follow Jesus' example who hung out with, uh, what's, what's the people who have diseases and lepers. Um, 
And Jesus put the needs of others above himself. He didn't care if he was going to get infected by this, by this disease. Jesus came to humanity. And this is what the church, this is what the early church did. And from that moment, you started to see a shift in the Roman Empire where eventually Christianity overtook the Roman Empire. From being persecuted to, to being this, the, the state religion is because the Christians were self-sacrificial. They put others', others needs above themselves, which is contrary to the world. So we learn that from Timothy. The next thing is where I'm going to focus on today is Epaphroditus. I looked up what Epaphroditus means, and I was hoping for something profound, but it basically means handsome. Um, so that's, that's, that's just for free. In Greek, it means handsome. Okay. It says, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. So clearly he had been there before, helped build the church. He's my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. Those three things we're going to focus on today. Who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him, but also me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, uh, to send him so that you may see him again, and that, that, that you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Isn't it amazing that the great Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, says he had anxiety here. And I love reading passages of Scripture that you pick up little things about where he's at. That he was distressed. He had anxiety. He, he, and, and he had this moment. And I just Because later on in Philippians it says that we mustn't be anxious for anything. I'm like, Paul, are you not anxious? You're anxious right now. And it's not a contradiction. But he knew that there's moments in our humanity where we feel anxious. Where we feel stuff. And, um, and what he starts to speak about these three things is that, first of all, his brother. And for me, these are three pictures of what it means to walk alongside someone when we, when we are taking the gospel forward. So let's just, Ryan, can you stand up? Andy. I would say these guys are close pictures. You come stand next to me here. Um, I'm not going to rip you off. Don't worry. That's, that was last week. But that is pastel. Um, but uh, <laughs> now, these guys are my brothers. That's why I can rip them off. These guys are my friends. We are friends, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But these guys I've known for a while. Andy, he came to our community group when we were in another church. Him and Carolyn joined before they were married. Uh, we, we urged him for a year to say he needs, he needs to make this thing happen. And then he did. He was just saving up for the ring. Um, and then, then Ryan, I, I met when we were probably about 17 or 18 at a a youth event in South Africa called Treverton. And I remember Ryan being at the back and he was like, and I was playing guitar and I was the cool guy. He was kind of trying to be like me. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. And these guys are my brothers. Not only that, they are my co-workers. We are working on the gospel together. We are elders. We, we pastor this church. They lead community groups. They oversee different things within the church. So not only are we brothers, but we're also co-workers. But then we fighters together. And they fought alongside me. And they fought uh, battles in the spirit. And we prayed together. And we prayed over the church. And we prayed over individuals. These guys, for me, are an example. And I feel like that's what we all need to understand we are. We are a big family that are part of one another. You guys can go sit down. Thank you. So let's start out with brother. It says this. 
in Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Continually honor, continually love. There's very few organizations in the world that are built of family. And I know you do get corporate church, and we're going to strive never to be that. As the church grows, there's going to be stuff we have to put in place. But let the heart of what we do be a family. We are family first and foremost. And we will, we will tirelessly say, get involved in a community group. I think we have eight or nine groups across the city. There's no excuse. Get involved. Get, uh, throw yourself into that. Be honest with, with one another. Be honest where you're at. Expo- in, a, in a sense, expose yourself, but to, obviously to the right people. Go to your, a community group. Tell them where you're at. Be honest, because that's where you're going to find healing and, uh, and deal with things in our lives. There's no backstabbing in your family. I know that uh, no one can tune my family, no matter what faults and I'm aware of my faults, and I'm aware of my, my family's faults. They're also aware of the, their own faults. We're all not perfect. But if anyone else comes and tells me about their faults, you guys better be ready to have a, a little um, fat on your hands. Okay, because something inside of me just immediately comes up. You're going to defend your family. And can I say that the person sitting next to you is your brother and your sister in Jesus. And we need to be like that. In, in order to have unity and, and community, we have to realize that the person that you're sitting next to is, is been placed here, next to you, as your brother and your sister in Jesus. Um, I came up with gossiping, okay? Every now and then you're going to get a pastor who, who preaches against gossiping. Do you know, it's list, Paul lists all these sins, and then right in the middle he throws gossiping in. It's amazing, it's one of those lesser things we think is like a lesser sin in the New Testament, but it's something that we all love a little bit of goss, as I said in the first meeting. We love a little bit of, just throw a little bit of, you know, tell me something about that person that I don't know. And, and you know how it feeds, I mean, let's just be honest. Like it feeds something inside of you. You're like, oh, I know something. I know something about Simon and, and Amy told me and it's like, and now I'm going to go spread that to someone else. And eventually just like, it just gets out of control. And the, the whole thing is that the Bible speaks that our tongue can set something ablaze. It can cause a fire. And we need to learn how to hold our tongue. And that's why the Bible always speaks, speak well of one another. So if you want to gossip, gossip good things. I try to gossip good things about Andy. <laughs> so He's just right there and I have to just always tease someone. There's family moments where we all are welcome, where we can be ourselves. Andy prayed a prayer at the beginning of the meeting. Um, I think in our beginning meeting, he says, look, Lord, let the people who come in know that they can be themselves, that they're part of this family. And I may not get to meet all of you, because as the church grows, that happens. But as long as you meet someone, can I encourage you if, you, if you're feeling lonely in this church and you've been here a while, just go find new people. Go greet them. Go hang out with them. Ask them questions. Uh, that's a good thing. Families can generally fight and make up. Fight and make up. And... Uh, and I know that probably some of you have been part of families where there's been family splits and all that kind of thing. But in general, a healthy family should be able to have an argument and then just deal with it afterwards. Uh, Ramsey, who's not here anymore, so I can use him as, as an example. He, I've known Ramsey for many years. Probably about two or three years into knowing him, uh, I was, in, I was in, put in charge of something. And uh, he phones me and he just he shouts at me on the phone. And we weren't part of this church. It was the other church we are part of. And... Uh, 
I was like, then I lost it back at him, and then he shouted at me, and we just had this like, we had a tussle as brothers, okay? And I thought, when he comes here, I'm going to pop his tires. He better watch out, because I've got the screwdriver and I'm ready, you know? And he came, and then I went up to him, and we both kind of at the same time shook each other's hands, and, and then I said to him, bro, brothers can fight sometimes. And I think, here's the thing, don't go out to fight. Don't, don't go start, try fight, find an argument with someone. But if there's disagreement, deal with it. Learn how to deal things maturely. If there's, if there's stuff, I know that even our elders, like I've said stuff before and then they come and speak to me about it and say, okay, well, let's just walk through this. Because I believe sometimes when that happens, you actually build a stronger bond because you've, you've dealt with stuff. You know, like in your, in your normal family, like Stalin and I can have an argument. For those of you who don't think we don't, we don't argue, we do. Because uh, it's generally, I think, because we're just very different in many ways. But I'm so glad that we are. And uh, we'll have an argument. It doesn't mean I stop loving her. I'm always the first one to say sorry. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> when she says sorry, Sala said it before, she needs to grovel. Guys, you know that's true, eh? When, uh, no, I'm just teasing this. I love you. <laughs> the point is, we're family, we're brothers. There's a closeness. And when you're close to people, you're going to rub each other up the wrong way. And we just need to learn to make a decision that we're not going to get rubbed up the wrong way. And we're going to deal with it as it comes. So cool. Second thing is that we're co-workers. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, it says, Therefore, my, bro- my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And there's, there's different psalms, but one of the psalms says you'll see the fruit of your labor. And honestly, like, there's been times where I felt like we've labored in this church. Where it just feels like we're just slogging on. There's like, God, is your presence even here? Where are the people? Where is this? We're praying. We're fighting. feels like we're on this battlefront and we're working together. Even I can see the ones around me. They're exhausted. I've like burnt out all our serving team and we're pushing forward. And then all of a sudden there's breakthrough that comes. People get saved. Uh, marriages get healed. Uh, there's, the church starts growing and we're like, okay, the labor was worth it. And that is what it means when we don't labor in vain and we get to see the fruit of our labor. We get to see what God does amongst us. And my greatest love is to see when people start walking in more of God. And I get letters from people and say, this, this community has changed me. It's changed my heart. And I was like, ah, oh, I live for those moments. I live for that because we, we, we are accurately reflecting Jesus to the community. As long as it's day, we must work. And we must do the works of, one who, of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. There's a time coming where we won't have a chance to labor in the gospel. While it's still day, let's go for it. Let's leave nothing behind. I used to play um, water polo at a, 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 like first team level, whatever that means to you. But it was just kind of, it was just the jocks, basically. And um, so I used to play, and, but we had a coach that really, for me, was one of my transformative moments in my life. I was under 16, and we were the guys that just didn't make it to the first team. And we were like, okay, we were pretty good, but uh, we didn't make it to the first team. And we had this coach, and he used to come... And he was, such a, he was such a good leader. He would gather us together, and we used to do like war cries. Who went to boys' school? You know that a war cries, there's nothing like it, okay? Who went to a boys' school? Am I the only one here? 
you put your hand up sheepishly, bro. You know, you know you love that. And um, anyway, so we, would, so we went from this team who was supposedly the rejected ones that didn't make the first team. We played, and we went unbeaten in the whole season. I think, no, we, I lie, we, we lost one game. We ended up playing the first team, and I think we tied or just beat them. And it was like, there was just, and for me, there was this, he used to always just instill in us, give everything when you're in the pool. Give it like it's your last game. And can I say that there's, we, we have a, a short period where we can give it everything for Jesus, where we can work. And that's why in some ways this may seem the opposite of what I was saying last week. But we, we need to have rest so we can do more for God. There's, 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 we need to work while it's day. We need to do everything we can to see as many people saved, to see lives changed in any way we can. There's an amazing scripture in Nehemiah 16, verse 17. I think it'll be up behind me. It says, From that day on, half of my, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, uh, bows, and armor. The officers, uh, the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held the weapon in the other. And I think that's what it takes to build a church. It takes people who are willing to fight the enemy, our common enemy, Satan. But there's also those who are willing to build, to serve, to give of themselves, to say, I want to sign up to serve. I want to, I want to be part of what God is doing. Can I tell you that if you're a greeter, a coffee maker, a person who cleans up afterwards, goes and checks the toilets, you're as important as someone who's preaching or leading worship. Because you're building the kingdom of God. You're building something that is greater than yourself. And that brings me to my next point, fellow soldier. How many of you know that a war is about territory? The, the Second World War, Hitler started to take over, took over Eastern Europe, and um, he moved across and he started to take different parts of, of France, and there was the, then the Allied uh, forces got together and then they eventually pushed him back, and the, kind of the rest is history, we, that we beat the Germans. And um, for those of you who are German here, you live in Germany at the moment, but um, the, the point is, there's, there, there's a, the, Hitler wanted, he wanted land. And I think when, we have to understand that we live in a place where the enemy wants territory. And I believe territory is people's lives. It's people's souls. It's people who are heading on a one-way ticket to the end goal, which is hell. Sin equals death. There's going to be a death where God wants to bring life, and he, and he wants to use you and me as soldiers in His army to see the advance of His kingdom. We have a common enemy. It's not Hitler, although he is, and he's dead. But the common enemy is Satan. We have a common, a common uh, force against us. And when I, hear, when I hear of churches being kicked out of their venues, when I hear of people struggling who are brothers and sisters in Christ, something in me rises up and says, we need to be militant. We need to be the ones in the front foot. What do you need from us? Because we are brothers and sisters in this city and we want to see the advance of the gospel move forward. An army doesn't settle. An army pioneers. An army doesn't retreat. And I think sometimes the picture, we can have different pictures of the church. Yes, we're a family. Yes, we're workers. But I think one of the great things we can understand is that we're part of an army. And one of my calls this morning, and I'm going to pray for people at the end, is that will you put your hand up to say, Jesus, I'm going to be part of this thing. The fact that you arrive on a Friday, that's great. 
It's a start. It's, it's, it's basic training. But there's going to come a point where God says, I've trained you, and it's time for you to step out into all that, that I have for you. There's um, amazing scripture. David had mighty men in, in, in 2 Samuel 23. You can go read it. Guys who could fight with the left and right hand and beat a thousand people and amazing. But he had one guy, and it's amazing how they mention him. He, he defended a lentil patch. He was given a role and a bit of responsibility. He says, no matter what happens, I'm not going to let anyone get into this lentil patch. And he ended up killing people. And it's, his name was Shammah. And it says, but Shammah took his handle, hand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. So we fight just quickly with four things. Number one. We fight with God. We fight with God standing alongside us. And I can tell you, whatever battle you're walking through, God is there. 2 Kings 6, it says, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so they may see. Then the Lord opened his, opened his servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And they were, these were just a handful of men that were going out to fight. And there was just this, this, this opening of the heavens to say that there's more with us than there are against us. And I can tell you, whatever you're facing, whatever opposition we even come against as a church, and even churches in the city, we have to realize that that is so small and insignificant compared to the, our Father in heaven who's standing behind us and roaring. Second thing, we fight with each other, side by side. Psalm 110 verse 3, it says, Your troops will be willing in the day of battle. The whole thing about being side by side is that we have a common goal. The common goal is, is, is territory. It's to push back the enemy. It's to, it's to push back darkness into these different areas. So if you're involved in whatever it is, give it, give it everything you can knowing that you've got a team who stands alongside you, that your decision or indecision around stuff affects people around you. I wasn't in the military. Uh, who, went, who was in the army? Who, who went to the army? Ives, I know you. You were up at the border. He's the man. Um, there's, I didn't go to the army, but I played a lot of army growing up. Is that, is that the same? No, no. <laughs> Watched a lot of army films. But the whole thing is that, you see, if I hear stories from my dad and even from my grandfather passed to my dad, is that there was these, uh, when you go and fight with one another, your bond with one another becomes so strong. And you do not, do not want to let your brother down next to you. You want to advance forward with him. You're part of a team. Third thing is that we fight with weapons. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. No one goes into battle with, without, without armor. No one goes into battle without a weapon. Ephesians 6 says we have the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And for me, a key thing which I sometimes don't preach on, because those are all like defense mechanisms. You've got the gospel of the good news on your feet. And for me, that is as simple as this. As we show the light of Jesus to others, as we lead other people to Jesus, as we, as we take different responses where the, that is opposite to the world, our feet are moving, is moving the gospel forward. We have the word to fight with. 
We have prayer. We have worship. And we have the blood of Jesus. Those things can, and obviously us standing together and fighting, nothing can come against that. David brought stones to a sword fight. And in many ways our prayers don't make sense. But actually if it's backed by heaven, it's stronger than any sword. It's stronger than any giant. It's stronger than anything that can come against us. Fourth is that we fight with focus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. I love that, entangled. It means that you can't get out of it. But rather tries to please his commanding officer. And my dad was telling me stories about when he was in basic training, they would do marching, which kind of fostered unity. But the, the cleanliness of your room was the most important thing. And, it's, and I think they got something right in the army, that if, if you get little things right, you're going to get the big things right when, when you're called to. So they would be so hard on people who had things out of place. Your sheets had to be perfect, your shoes polished, everything. And it, they used to make it really difficult for the guys. But the point is, they, they, they had focus. From the day they entered into military, they had to take all this. They, they, my dad was in the 60s and 70s, so they, they shaved his long hair, and you get it, and there's focus that comes. We need to be a people that have focus. If we're in the army of God, we need to have focus, and we live to please our commanding officer. Can the worship team come up, please? We're going to pray. <clears throat> Can we all stand, please? Can let's just let's just pray together as the as the team gets ready because we're going to sing that song that we sang at the end. But um, I really feel this morning, as I did in the first meeting, that God wants to put courage into people's hearts. God says to Joshua, be strong, be full of courage, because you're going to go take the land. Everywhere your foot steps, you're going to get it, because you're advancing the kingdom forward. And so often in our lives, and so often in what God has called us to do, we, we step back, we, we hold back, because, because of fear. And I'm not saying that right now fear is going to kind of lift off your shoulders because you may still sense that thing, but God gives courage in the moment that you, that you face your fear. So let's pray together because I'm going to pray courage over all of us. Father, just if you want to raise your hand however you want to receive. Father, I pray for courage to come upon our church. I pray for strength. I, I speak to fear. I say, Lord God, that would you come and just bring your hope and would you bring your peace? Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that you've, that you've called us to stand together in unity. Just even in this place of, of just dealing with stuff, like I believe we can deal with things in a moment. If there's a fence that you're holding on in your heart towards someone, could be in the church, outside of the church, I feel God just saying He wants you to release it right now. Because this unity is not going to enable you to step into all that God has for you. It's going to, it's going to, in some ways, just cripple you for the future that He has. If you need to forgive someone, forgive him, forgive her. 